Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Father, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we bless you. We thank you for your blessed holy word and the anointing upon it. Thank you for our ears to hear it our hearts to receive it, our minds to be open to the glorious light of it. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Spirit to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. Father, we thank you for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, for which we're all as believers in unity upon this earth. We thank you. We thank you for your love, as always, poured out, shed abroad in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your indwelling, infilling presence of your Holy Spirit illuminating our hearts, teaching us, bringing all these things to our remembrance whatsoever we've heard, showing us things to come. We thank you that he's our counselor, comforter, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, helper, teacher, and guide. We thank you, Father. Your word tells us that no man shall teach us, but we're taught by the Spirit, the Spirit of God, your Holy Spirit, within us and upon us. So we thank you for that. We thank you that our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in your power, the power of the living God. When we speak, we speak as of the oracles of God, the very mouths and sayings of God. When we minister, we minister with the ability that you, our Father God in heaven, give us. So we thank you for that ability. We dedicate this service today to you, the study of your word to you, the move of the Holy Spirit to you. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit in operation in our lives, in our services, in the life and ministry of the body of Christ. We thank you again that as we study your word, we receive revelation, heart knowledge of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to speak today a little bit about the subject of unity, unity in the body of Christ. And, uh, in, you know, of course, uh, most of my introductions start with in this day and age or in this generation, so... You know, why change it now, right? In this generation that we live, we live in a generation, of course, and it, in the age of grace, I don't mean your generation or my generation uh, or, you know, any, anything with the title of a Who song, but the generation, the age that we live right now, what's going on now, we're a part of this thing that we're a part of. A lot of Christians have abandoned the idea of unity. Unity in the Spirit. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Well, the Word tells us that it's the bond of peace. So, you know, we get into a problem sometimes when we get, we, you know, we, we've set aside the bond of peace, we've set aside unity for doctrine. But if you scroll down there a little bit, or look down, if you've opened your Bible, if you look down to verse 13, it says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to a, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, of course, you know, we're our desire to obtain, attain perfection makes people think, well, we've got to be perfect you know, in everything that we do, we've got to look perfect. Perfect is a, is a word that's always taken 
out of context and think, you know, no flaws, nothing. The, the actual word for perfect in the New Testament, and you know, I'll just read it to you. It's, it's teleos in the Greek, 5046 in the Strong's, and it's from telos, which means end. Teleos refers to that which has reached an end, that's finished, complete, and perfect. So maturity is what we want to reach. You know, we may not be perfect in everything we do, but we want to reach maturity. We can be mature and still make mistakes. We can be mature and still learn a lot more. When applied to persons, it signifies consummate soundness and includes the idea of being whole. More particularly, when applied to believers, it denotes maturity. So we should strive for maturity. You know, forget about the idea that, you know, your nose is a little bit bigger than somebody else's or a little bit smaller or your ears stick out or they don't stick out or, you know, one of your teeth doesn't line up, you know, right or, so, you know, just something people always uh, equate perfection with, well, there, there's just the perfect, perfect profile, the perfect face, the perfect hair, the perfect eyes, on and on and on. We put it all in the natural, but it, it's, that's not what it means as believers. It's maturity. I could give you some examples that you can look at certain people and you think, wow, they're, they're really good looking. Then you can't be in the same room with them because they don't know what a toothbrush is. Need I say more? Or, you know, I could go on further, but I won't. But, it, you know, we, don't, we look at people and say, well, that, you know, that one right there. Now, we've got to reach maturity. He says, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, not as something we've laid out here upon the earth. We have to understand the process to obtain unity and spiritual maturity as believers. And it's vitally important we do that in this day and age, this hour, this part of this dispensation that we live. We didn't choose necessarily to live when we are living. But we live now, so that we've got to, to do some things. We've got to be equipped as believers. We've got to be participating in ministry. Uh-oh, that scares people right there. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just not called to the full-time ministry. Not everybody is. Thank God everybody isn't, right? We'd just be running around ministering to each other. And I'm not trying to be funny. You know, well, you, you've all been in church a long time, most of you, all of you. You've seen it here. Right here at Redeeming Love Church. People come and minister to believers and preach the same thing and teach the same thing that the pastor's teaching. But what else is there? There's nothing new under the sun, right? We spent 10 years in, in the ministry in Pennsylvania and you hear people come in and teach the same thing that the pastor was teaching. Run up to People run up to them after the thing, tell them how wonderful their messages were, and they were good messages. But why are you coming ministering to believers? Take it out into the field. Take it out where it belongs. 
Then somebody comes in with a little different message and people get offended. Well, the pastor didn't preach that. No, study it out in the Word. Find it for yourself. We don't need to... We're traveling around and, and ministering to each other while people are going to hell every day. And some of you have been out of the country and ministered. Or, or in other parts of this country and ministered. How many of you know, don't even raise your hand. I know that it's a, it's a majority, everybody. How many of you know that everybody in the world is not saved? How many of you know that everybody in the United States of America is not saved? How many of you know that everybody in Monroe County and Barron County aren't saved? How many of you know that everybody in your family is not saved? So we've got, we've got some things to do to bring about this unity, and we've got some things to do to, to, to get people to the point where you know, this day and age that we live, we just don't go by and say, well, you know, that's just a sign of the times. There's denominations and there's nothing we can do about it. Let's look a little deeper into this opening here. Ephesians chapter 4. The, the heading in this study Bible that I use, the New King James, is, is it says walk in unity. How can you walk in something when you don't know how to, to you know, it's, it's like a, a baby, a newborn, you don't stand a newborn up the second day of life and tell it to walk, right? I can't get them to do anything. They won't walk. Well, their eyes aren't even focused on the second day of life. You can look at their eyes. They're blurry. You know, there's a film over their eyes. They're not going to walk. Can't get that baby to eat itself. You know, we have to feed that baby all the time and change its diaper. No, that... How do we walk in unity when nobody knows what unity is? He's... Go back to verse 1. We'll start there again. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, if we stopped there and went home, you'd know. But he goes into a little more depth. There's 30-some verses here. With all lowliness, in other words, humility, and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And some want to stop right there. Well, we've got to go on. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. See, Paul was from the south. He was, it says, in y'all. In you all. In us. That's us he's talking about. Right? Now, don't get worried. One baptism. Uh, that's why I like a commentary here to explain some of these things or at least get somebody's opinion on it. One baptism probably refers to water baptism, the common external point of, of publicly declaring faith in Jesus Christ. Common external point. The issue is not the form of the ordinance as much as the fact of one's obedience. Believers' baptism in the Holy Spirit into Christ's body and a baptism in or, or with the Holy Spirit for power-filled service are facts unchallenged by this observation. Well, somebody will challenge them, sure. They clearly stand as spiritual realities linked in a triunity with the one baptism in water. So don't let that throw you off. And, you know, 
how many devils can dance on the head of a pin or angels or whatever. It doesn't make any difference. It's clear. We just need to study it a little bit. But verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. In other words, he emptied it out down there, led captivity captive, and gave gifts to men. Psalm 68, if you're interested. Now, this, he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. He might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This Bible doesn't put a, a, pair, a comma after pastors. So it could be pastors and teachers being one or, you know, however you want to believe. That's up to you. You know, they're, they're all ministry gifts. What for? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, if you look, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, there is no comma after or saints, equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry is one thought. Any of you looking at the King James? Is there a comma there? There is a comma in the King James. So, you know, it, Study it out. Understand it. it could go either way. It doesn't matter. For the equipping of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That's what these gifts are for. For the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure, stature, the fullness of Christ. Why? That we be no longer, be, that we no longer, should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, joined and knit together, the whole body joined and knit together, by what every joint supplies according to the effective working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, I know that's a lot, a lot to process. But there's so much here that we need to know if we're going to walk and live in unity. Verse 15 and 16, Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies. You've got to be uh, participating in something there. By whatever joint supplies. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. You may not be in the full-time ministry. You may not be in the part-time ministry. But you have a part to play in ministry. Everybody can't be out in the field ministry. 
You know, what if everybody was was called to be a, a teacher or an evangelist and out on the road, nobody'd be home. Nobody'd have any food because there'd be nobody producing any food. We wouldn't have any roads because everybody was in the ministry. You know, and you, you know, it's an, you can go on and on. But working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying or the building up of itself in love. But until we assume our place, is there ever going to be unity? Is there ever going to be anything that we can grasp onto for maturity? Well, You're still there in Ephesians chapter 4. You know, the, the new and the old have to line up here, right? The new man takes over for the old man. And I'm not talking about old in age. I'm talking about the new person that you became when you were in Christ. Shoved out the old man when you accepted Christ, I should say. Look at verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. We can't be past feeling. Our conscience can't be seared. And some people would look at that and think, well, he's talking about this particular denomination who denounces everybody that preaches the word or who denounces uh, you know, women in the ministry or denounces everything that goes on. Doesn't do any good for anybody. Just goes around denouncing everything. No, take your eyes off that for a minute and look and see what it says. Don't walk as the rest of the Gentiles verse 17 in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling that's somebody with a seared conscience doesn't bother him to do anything to, to walk in futility I like the old illustration that Brother Hagin used to give about a seared conscience said when he was a young man, and I can relate to this because my mother used to do the same thing. He said when he was a young man, he used to go and, and visit with an older gentleman who was in his 80s, and he'd make coffee for him. And he said that he'd, that guy would pour a cup of coffee and drink it right down, steaming hot off the stove. You know, they cooked coffee on the stove at that time. Didn't have drip and all that other coffee stuff, you know, bun coffee makers. But he said he'd just pour himself a cup of coffee and drink it down. He said, I, I'd try to drink it. I'd have to sip it, wait till it cooled off and, you know, put everything in it to cool it down. He said, that guy drink it down. Why? Because his throat was seared after drinking, for drinking hot coffee all of his life. And I can relate to that. I used to see my mother do that too. She'd pop a couple of saccharin things in there and drink that coffee steam coming off of it practically burn you to walk in the room and she's drinking it right down but people let their conscience get that way 
They're past feeling. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That's the difference between the old and the new, right? That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Not put on, not fake. You know, like you're putting something on. Clothe yourself with the new man. Put on, like you put on a, a coat tomorrow when it's going to be in the highs of, you know, with 30s and blustery and snowy and all the other things that are supposed to happen tomorrow. You'll put on a coat. I hope you have sense enough to put on a coat. There are people who don't. But when you put on your clothing in the morning, you put it on. You don't fake it. You put it on. Put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's keep going. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't go to bed mad at somebody. I remember the first time I heard our pastor in Pennsylvania say this. He said, you know, you open yourself up to demonic activity. How do you do that? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. You're giving place to the devil. You go to bed mad. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what's good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away. Clamor is loud quarreling. Loud quarreling, it says in my margin. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, loud quarreling, and evil speaking be put away from you <clears throat> with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now remember, he started this 32 verses ago talking about unity. And he hasn't strayed. Go on to, to chapter 5. It, verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators. King James says followers. Be imitators of God as dear children. You know how dear children imitate their parents. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us and offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, sweet-smelling savor. The old and the new. Well, you know, how, are we, how are we supposed to do this? You know, we, we talked over here about being equipped. You know, someone said, who God calls, he equips. And I'm sure, you know, that's true. Verse 12 says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That's one, one of the jobs of the ministry gifts, the fivefold ministry. 
Equipping means uh, it's katartismos in the Greek, Strong's 2677, a making fit, preparing, training, perfecting, making fully qualified for service. In classical language, the word is used for setting a bone during surgery. The great physician is now making all the necessary adjust adjustments to the church so the church will not be out of joint. I didn't make that up. That's right here in the, the uh, definition of that word for the equipping of the saints. Why aren't more people equipped? Well, because they haven't really fulfilled their vision, for one thing. You know, I've studied these scriptures for years now, wondering how you actually delineate how someone is, how is someone considered young or old or older? You know, is it just by your age? But I, I see that he's given us a little insight into this here. Joel chapter 28, or chapter 2, verse 28. I'm sorry, there aren't 28 chapters in Joel. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. Old Testament minor prophet, Hosea, Joel, Amos. It's on page 1164. If you've got the this Bible. Actually, it's on 1166. I'm sorry. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I, may, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Right there it is. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. Sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. As the Lord said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Yep. I know, I know. That's Old Testament. That's an Old Testament minor prophet. He's just minor. Well, he's out of the minor leagues into the majors when he gets into the, the uh, canonization of the Bible, right? Look at Acts chapter uh, 2. You know, there's a lot of people called in these last days and I hesitate to use the terminology last days with so many young people in here and so many of us young at heart. You know, so many of you are still having visions, not dreaming dreams. You know, I've graduated into the dream area myself. So I guess I'm older. But there's a lot of people called in these days. We won't add the last to it. Last days could be hundreds of years so don't get all frazzled maybe some of you called to the full-time ministry maybe some of you part-time ministry maybe some of you you know just need to do more we've got to fulfill our vision 
Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues, cloven tongues, as of fire. One sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The day of Pentecost. And what was the crowd's response? There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. The wonderful works of God. They heard this. Wonderful works is Megaleos, Strong's 3167, conspicuous, magnificent, splendid, majestic, sublime, grand, beautiful, excellent, favorable. The amazed visitors at Pentecost heard the disciples in their own languages reciting the sublime greatness of God in his mighty deeds. Thank God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, verse 12 says, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they're full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. In other words, 9 a.m., talking from 6 a.m. on, it's 9 a.m. Who's going to be drunk at 9 a.m.? Guess he didn't live in our day and age, right? These are not drunk since it's only 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And here it is. And it shall come to pass, and Acts is in the New Testament, right? And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men dream dreams. On my men servants, my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. They'll prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above. Signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. I don't want to see the sun and the moon. Well, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. He said, hear it. Hear it. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands of crucified and put death, by whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it, for David says concerning him, Listen to this. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. 
Therefore my heart rejoiced, my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades. David's not talking about himself. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you, the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. His tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, he, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which were all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says to himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. You know, there, like I said, there might be some people called to the ministry. But it takes some maturity to realize that. Not maturity in age or level of age. But the maturity we looked at. It takes some listening. Some believing. And some speaking. Not speaking doubt. Or speaking what the world tells you to speak. And unity will never be accomplished until we set aside denominations and doctrine and flow with the leading of the Spirit. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. It's an enlightening verse. This is His commandment. That we should believe on the name of, the, of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Jesus told him, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Well, I can't love them. They don't believe the same way I do. Well, you're instructed to. It's up to us as believers. We've got to. He didn't give us a choice. Unity is the responsibility of all believers. We've got to do what we know to do. And some of you, you know, the Lord could be speaking to you, telling you to do something, and you know, you shut, shut the door a little bit. And I'm not saying you're past feeling. You know, you're not given over to lewdness and in the things that it that it speaks of. Look at Psalm 133. We'll close with this. It's just a short one. We'll look at the whole thing. I know we've read entire chapters today. And I know it's a lot to digest and a lot to process. But we need to study these things out. We have to. We're at a time where we can't beat around the bush. You know, take a stick and run around a bush beating it. That accomplishes nothing. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. 
It's like this precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. It's the responsibility of all believers. And, and it has to be pursued urgently and earnestly. We have, uh, I'd say, just almost 100% in our office at work, and there's only eight of us, but almost, I'd say, 100% of the people are Christians. But different affiliations, different denominations. You know, and some people go to churches that don't teach the way we do. But I know one person, is, he talks to me constantly about the Word of God. And they watch this uh, series that's on now about the Bible on uh, the History Channel. Of course, they leave out a lot in that because I guess they want to pack everything into five episodes, two-hour episodes, so that they can sell a DVD of it. But, but in, in some ways, it's doing some good because it's getting people to look at it, think about it, talk about it. And they talk about it, let the kids watch it. And he said they put the kids every night to bed reading a Bible story, usually Old Testament. And then they let the kids tell them what they've learned about stories, you know, at ch what they learned about the Bible at church and things like that. And it's not our denomination. It's not one that we are affiliated with in any way. But they still, they're doing something, putting the word into these children. I can find fault with a lot of the ways they worship or, or a lot of the things that they do and say, but I'd rather discuss the Bible with somebody like that than a full gospel person who just lives... I won't go into any more. But like I said, we have people, and people there get upset, rub the wrong way by others in the office that want to talk too much, maybe, when they're supposed to be working. But you see it every day, and I know all of you are involved with the same thing. But this is something we've got to get beyond. We've got to receive our calling and walk in it. And the reason I shared a lot of that scripture about the dreams, because, you know, this has been happening to me. I, you know, I'll, I'll get into a point where the, the latest one is, you know, unreal. I mean, I, I was preaching a message, teaching, you know, point one, point two, point three, you know, three points in a poem. Introduction, three points, a poem, and a, clo you know, closing. But I, I was, found myself stopped in the middle of this message on my knees, giving out scripture, leaning on a, a brother that was in the front row. And I thought, boy, this doesn't look good. You know, I'm leaning on a man's knee in the front row, on my knees. So, of course, I moved from there in this dream, but kept on, you know, talking, and, and it, it gives you, and you think, well, that's, you know, that's just because you were thinking about the message before you went to sleep. Or, or whatever. I don't know what the reason. You know, somebody's got a teaching out now how to interpret dreams. That. But, but the thing that comes out of it is that we've got to fulfill our calling. We've got to walk in the light. And, and some of you, he may be nudging you to do something. I don't know. I can't tell you for, for you. But you need to listen Receive it. Believe. 
and speak it. That's the only way we're going to reach unity in the body of Christ. If people fulfill their call and put aside this pettiness. Go back to verse 1 of that. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. When somebody gives you an opening, don't just go by it and say, well, they're, they're this denomination. I don't have anything to say to them. They won't listen anyway. They believe this. They believe that. Give them the word. You know, his word won't return void. Anything that you've ever given out in the, in the spirit of unity, in the bond of peace, will not return void. It accomplishes what he pleases and prospers in the thing for which he sent it. Fulfill your calling. Nobody can do it for you. We're all individuals. God's not going to separate husbands and wives and say, well, you know, you've got a calling over here. We saw that all the time at Ramah. You know, one spouse said, well, I'm called to do this and, you know, they're going to go home. No, that's not God. That's you. Listen. Pray. Speak. Believe. He expects us to do this. It's expected. We've got to come in line with the word of God. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you and we bless you. We thank you for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We thank you that we can throw aside doctrines and be equipped for the work of the ministry. Whether we're called to the five-fold ministry or to support ministries, or just to the, the ministry of reconciliation, which we're all called. We've got a part to play. We've got things to do. So we'll listen. You guide us by your Holy Spirit. Our hearts are open to your leading. We'll shut out the things of the world and all the things that are tugging on us in every way. We'll listen to your voice, your leading. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They don't hear the voice of a stranger. So we expect to hear it. And Father, we thank you for wisdom in these areas. Godly wisdom. Godly wisdom. Not wisdom of the world that's earthly, sensual, and devilish, but godly wisdom. We thank you for it. We've already believed you for it. And we ask you in faith, not wavering. We're not double-minded. We're not unstable. So we expect to receive godly wisdom in every area of our lives, but especially in the area of our calling. Whatever you want us to do, we're open to it. We're open to it. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for these godly examples. Thank you that it's a unity of the faith, not the unity of doctrine, the unity of faith. Not the unity of denominations, but the unity of faith makes us till we all come to the unity of faith. Maturity. Maturity. Completeness, wholeness. In Jesus' name.